This is the Master of Cinemacast. My name is Joachim. And my name is Tom. And today we will be discussing Human Desire, spine number 197, the Fritz Lang film from 1954. Uh, I think I've seen the uh, Jean Renoff film for from 38, I think. It must have been three or four years ago now. Um, but it's quite different from this one, from what I can remember. It is, yeah. I'm not sure. The thing I, I find about the, um, the the Renoir version was that there was a few things with it which I kind of I, I really kind of struggled with the mm. kind of the, the logic of the film and the, the fact that the kind of the central character has this kind of psychological condition where he falls in love with people and then wants to murder them. It wasn't really kind mm. of it wasn't. I, I didn't think it was particularly well executed and kind of thought out i did kind of find myself being quite distracted to it but i'm, I'm going to give the film a pass on the basis that i think as i understand Ramar wrote the film in two weeks and the war was about to begin so i think kind of perhaps there might have been external factors that were kind of perhaps slightly detrimental to it but saying that it's still a very interesting film for sure mm. and watching human desire and comparing the two um there was definitely similarities between the two there is a kind of common uh, misperception i think that human desire is based on the uh, the novel by emil zola where mm-hmm. i think it's actually i i think the kind of the real influence of the film is the bet humane i don't think it i think it's kind of quite disingenuous to say that it is based on the novel yeah i mean the novel from just a quick summary that i read online is that it's set during the Prussian War. So war is a theme that goes on in all three films. But the book deals with like multiple characters who have this sort of drive or desire or doing some sort of like scheming that involves murder. And from what I could understand Jean Renard film, it sort of went heavy into that sort of dark, cynical, almost pathological area of those desires. Yes, um, it's, it's, it's a very bleak film, for sure. Yeah. Uh, no Whereas the Lang version is, it's not, or, I, I'm struggling to find what sort of tone it's aiming for. I think we'll get more into it, but it, it's, um, it's a diversified film, or it's a film that really doesn't know what sort of, card and wants to play it to me I, when i was watching it and i'd never seen it before until we to, to us just to do it on the show and I, I, in my whole, whole sort of fritz lang is i only know him by one film basically and he had obviously had this entire other career in america and he, I, I sort of picked it on the basis that i knew nothing about it and when i went into it um it kind of on the one hand i feel like it's kind of a b-movie film in mm-hmm. some regards it's quite sort of superficially trashy in a lot of ways and then once you kind of look at it a little bit more and you go back to it a couple more times i think it's sort of it's actually a very clever film and it's 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 doing a lot of things a lot of there's a lot of different tones to it and and it doesn't offer you nice sort of easily packaged emotions to feel or beats to kind of get into i think it's a very mixed bag of, Mm -hmm. of what's going on and all the characters as well i find they're they're not just one dimensional. Um, especially, I think um, the lead character of Jeff, which I'm sure I'm sure we're obviously going to get, get into. But I, I I think it's a on the one hand it seems like a very simple film, a kind of a crime melodrama. But once you kind of dig into it, I, I think there's a lot more to kind of get your teeth into. The the film was made the year after 
Lang worked with uh, Glenn Ford and Graham on The Big Heat, uh, which I remember being a bit disappointed by when I watched it. Um, I I think I had it built up as like a stellar classic uh, due to the name and uh, its renown in film history. But for me, it's it's a good film, but um, there was something that I was uh, feeling lacking. And I think Glenn Ford is my main struggle in both of those films. Um, you see, I, I've never, I've never seen The Big Heat. Um, I, was, I, was, I actually was, I, I was meant to watch it before, before this. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, this is my, I, I can't really remember anything else that Glenn Ford's been in. I'm sure I probably might have watched something else in. But I, I found it wasn't so much him, like the acting. I just felt his character. I couldn't work out if it was poorly written or it was being poorly executed or like more like that they'd become like Lang and the writers and whatnot were kind of more interested in the kind of the setting and the other characters and they were as him as the lead man because mm-hmm. I, mean, I think we talk about my, my issue is and this is kind of you know I'm sure you did actually mention me in this is the relationship with the daughter Ellen I couldn't work out whether or not it was deliberate that it was supposed to be a little bit sle- sleazy the relationship between yeah. them and this is this is what I kind of, kind of I suppose my way into this kind of thing because I was I was sat there thinking, is this deliberate? Are they trying to make him out to be a sleaze bag, or is it just because it's kind of quite an innocent twee little story? I couldn't work it out, and I thought to myself, if it is deliberate, then the film's a lot more sophisticated than I think it is. If it isn't, it's not. It's a little bit dumber than I thought it was, and I couldn't make up my mind what it was. Mm-hmm. For me, um, that is. The central gist of my issue with the film is because I came down on the side that I think it's it isn't as clever as we give it credit for um, mm. because the way he is introduced is like uh, a returning war hero. Um, the family loves him, uh, especially the mother, and there isn't anything that puts uh, puts out for me that he has like sinister. A sinister side to him he comes across as like this wholesome wholesome character who could choose the proper daughter who is 20 years younger than him um or he could go with the more um, the more darker manipulative you could call um character of uh, graham and saying that i don't i don't pick up that he um that they are trying to play up the angle that he is taking advantage of this young girl. Ruin your bread and butter. <laughs> Whenever you want to get rid of that big ape, I'm available. Jim! Oh. <laughs> what are you bawling about? Oh, shut up. I could cry once in a while. <laughs> well, I, I fixed up your old room. Is anybody home? I don't believe it. Where are the pigtails? Gone. And the freckles? Scrubbed away. Three years. Now they grew up too fast. It wasn't fast for me. It was real slow. Last year, I couldn't keep up with her. One night, she was out on a date, and the next, she was home playing with her dolls. (laughs) Is Jeff going to be staying with us again? Yeah, if she doesn't raise the rent on me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wonderful. Come on, I'll show you the way. No, I remember the way. I find it it comes back to the, these types of films where you go into middle America 
and it's often called you know the backbone of the country and it's where you know mm-hmm. the, the, the the true values of america are upheld and more often than not in films when you go to these types of places it's not like that at all. and I'm, I'm thinking like you know shadow of a doubt you know the hitchcock film blue velvet mm. you know david lynch every time you go back there's this sort of underlying sleaze and i think again i i, I think i was looking at him through the lens of that kind of familiarity mm-hmm. with film thinking well does seem creepy i think it's creepy like his whole relationship um with with ellen and i was sort of sat there thinking this is someone who he's obviously this kind of this big war hero he's come back to town actually we were just talking off air about when i went home the other week and it was kind of it reminded me of when everything goes to shit and it's a wonderful life (laughs) the town's kind of going down the drain a bit and I, i i thought that was it was kind of like a metaphor really he's gone away he's gone the hero he comes back to america the the land of the free and whatnot yeah and really it's kind of it's not all that it's made up to be there is this mm. sort of darkness to it all and i thought the relationship with ellen i thought that was kind of hinting that the kind of morality of the place had become slightly screwed or at least his kind of morality which is what leads him to be able to kind of go off with Vicky and the whole kind of the you know getting involved in trying to think about killing Carl that was mm-hmm. how I would I, I think and I I think that's a case of me bringing that to the table rather than the film yeah. bringing it to the table because I, I really wanted that story to be or I wanted the film to do that story that version of the story the the character who has seen war he's he's become um it's put its stamp on him he's seen um he's seen some terrible things and he's been um affected by the war and then he comes home to this um twee little middle america town uh, which has its own set of values and trying to mesh into that world again just doesn't work for him in some sort or he's tempted by the values or tempted by the ways that he lived the war uh, to go to the more sinister darker side of his personality that war brings out in one and i think that isn't that is a very interesting story, but I don't think that they put enough into the film that I feel like I can say that they are really dealing with it. I think it's an undercurrent and you can read it into it, but um, I just don't feel that Lang and the others are really bringing that to the forefront. No, I mean, and, and most of all, I mean, this film is, it's a really character-driven film. There mm. isn't much in this film in the way, I mean, I watched Lawrence of Arabia yesterday and um, I was sort of sat there thinking, you know, you have these kind of exquisitely posed shots of sand dunes and it's a it's a piece every frame's a piece of art and Hmm. it's about location and you know these massive establishing shots and and whatnot and you go into a film like this and there isn't anything like that there's Hmm. i mean you have that opening where we're kind of going through on the train back to back back to this town but it's it's a very quick paced film you know it's just scene Mm. after scene of people talking and i don't think it has I i think it's you know it really kind of goes into the kind of the, the technicalities and the intricacies of the story really quickly, mm-hmm. um, and I like yeah I don't I don't think it's 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 its focus is on people and place I think it's on the plot and the people and yeah. it's, it feels that's why I kind of say you know it feels like a kind of a B movie in a way in that I think it's trying to get in there and get out with its story. I, uh, you mentioned the opening scene, like the the opening scene and basically how the film. 
um, lays out like the, the different relationships, um, what it wants to happen. All that has a certain urgency to it and it works really well for me. Um, the way it sort of sets up the plot and the way it introduces characters and the way that everything seems to it seems to unfold so seamlessly and with such ease. Yeah, that... well, I mean, it's a, it's a good metaphor, the train journey, isn't it? Because exactly. it's kind of like, I mean, trains always resemble, they're always about modernity in films and you have this one just bombing through the country. Yeah. And it's like this huge, massive, I mean, American trains of that period look amazing anyway, so I could have watched that for way longer than I went <laughs> on. But the way, it, yeah, like you say, it kind of, he, it's literally delivering him to the story. It just, yeah. bang, it arrives in the station, off he gets, bit of banter. And that's one thing I liked about the film, is the sort of the working class relationships. You, you kind of see them established, like the kind of the, the stupid jokes to each other and the mm -hmm. kind of the camaraderie and the kind of the blokiness of it. And it kind of establishes that world quite, I, I think it establishes it really well, where it's a kind of, it's a man's world and, you know, the... The women are back home being pretty, keeping the house. It's the men that go out and do all this. And then slowly the kind of the, the as the plot begins and you kind of see the the Carl character mm. and just what a kind of, you know, they make comments about his wife and, you know, how he managed to bag Vicky and all that kind of thing. And it, I, I liked it from that perspective because I felt like it was it was kind of getting in there, introducing these people. And you, mm. and it does it very very well. I mean, you know, as soon as you see Carl and hear him speak, you get a pretty good idea what yeah. his character's going to be. And you certainly get one from Vicky when we're first introduced to her. She's like, <laughs> she, I think she's like lying on the bed eating food or something. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, get yeah. more sort of phallic or suggestive than that. And her legs are up in the air. Yeah, and, yeah, I mean, it's it's everything you need to know about the character is there. And it's great economical filmmaking. Um, mm -hmm. We've talked about openings a lot. I mean, like something like The Three Days of the Condor, the opening of that just establishes yeah. everything you need to know about who's who, what's going on in the things. And this film does that, I think, really well. Vicky. I'm in the bedroom, Carl. You're home early. Yeah, I'm kind of early. Have a good day, baby. I took a walk, bought some stockings on sale. Look at them. Anything wrong, Carl? I tangled with Thurston today. They brought ten cars of perishables in on number one. Somebody forgot to unload them and the whole shipment spoiled. He started to chew me out and, well, well, I blew up. Well, good for you. It's about time. I mean, um, that the first uh, third of the film... It seems to deal with, or all of the film seems to deal with, like difference of power balance between the different characters, and that the first opening third is a power balance between um, Jeff and the daughter. For me, mm. like who, um, like she's submitting to him almost, and he he's constantly rejecting her. Uh, whereas the latter half of the film, or the two other thirds they deal with graham and carl or, or vicky and carl and um and vicky and jeff uh, and how who has the upper hand here yeah and it's that i mean there's that scene where um you know he, he comes back and uh he, he buys the he buys ellen 
I think it's like mm-hmm. a commode or something, yes. isn't it? And he starts to dress her up. And yeah, you see, I, I, you see, I, I'm watching it through my eyes of sleeves where he's like grooming her. He's like, you know, <laughs> he's, t- he's taking this child and making her out to be an adult. You don't need to probably use your imagination to what he was doing in Japan with the no. local ladies. And I, I sort of sensed that from it. And he was kind of like d- just putting her in adult clothes, making her more desirable to him for the yeah, almost grooming in a way. Yeah. Even though she's of age now, let's let's not forget. But yeah, I mean, she and then that kind of her, she becomes like slightly more besotted with him, and obviously she's of an age now where there can be a relationship between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't be overly thrilled if my daughter began, if, if if one of my friends came back from war and then was sort of saying, "Oh, I remember you when you were 12. And then yeah. <laughs> we can, can I still live. kiss you? Yeah, yeah oh, I mean, yeah, that I mean that <laughs> just made my toes curl. And oh, again, yeah. I, when you when you say it, when can I kiss you? Again, I, I, I don't know if I was taking that literally. I don't know if we're suppo- if, if I'm just being. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't make up my mind. I thought, is he doing that on purpose? Is that in there for us to go? Oh, hang on a minute. When you do the math, yeah. And when you start doing, you know, I, I don't know. But the, like, I say, like the the, it's not a film as well. And it's everything I found about it where it's just women being silly women and doe-eyed because. Vicky is a really strong female character mm. and she completely manages to bring men in. She's the classic femme fatale, isn't she, really? I mean, she can bring these guys in. And the relationship with Carl is great because he's obviously picked this young lady. You know, she's good looking. She's probably got a bit of a reputation in that town. Mm-hmm. But just seeing how one line of dialogue can just flip him when she when he kind of suspects that she's been kind of seeing the boss her old boss again and when she when yeah. he gets the job back from and there's that brilliant scene where he just talks himself into this frenzy and she's done nothing really other mm-hmm. than just kind of say well you know i got your job back and yeah i went out with the guy for a bit and it, it just sends him mad and there just seems to be i mean the relationships aren't healthy at all between anyone they mm-hmm. they seem to be completely driven by sexual desire. I mean, the film's called Human Desire, for Christ's sake, it's pretty yeah. much all there. But it's yeah. kind of this sexual desire and it's this it's forbidden desire as well, I think, which is kind of making everyone kind of go temporarily insanity. Some bar. You should have telephoned me. You, you knew I was anxious. There was nothing to be anxious about. I told you Owens would do it for you. You told me? I thought you said he didn't like doing favors. What are we arguing about? You wanted your job back, didn't you? Well, you have it. I couldn't just ask him and run. That bar. What was the name of it? Some bar downtown. I don't know the name. And you just sat there for three hours talking. Yes. Miss Owens must have a lot of time to waste. He's got a big office and he can take off in the middle of the day for three hours. What did you find so important to talk about? Old times. Old times for three hours, huh? I didn't keep track of the time. I was trying to get you your job back. And he was glad to help you. Did you thank him? Of course. How? Exactly what does that mean? What has he got, a private apartment he can drop into for a drink? Is that the bar you went to? Of course, and we had champagne, buckets of champagne. And he has a bear rug in front of the fireplace. And we toasted marshmallows all afternoon. Now will you stop being so stupid and let me take my shower? 
and she's she's not just like a femme fatale but she's a victim as well and i feel like lang really manages to portray her as more than someone who's just scheming and manipulative and has um like lurid intentions i really feel like he and graham of course um they manage to portray this character as uh, as more of a humane and someone you if not necessarily root for, at least you can understand some of her choices and the way where she came from. Totally. I mean, this, it, and the scenes where she's getting beaten up and she's talking about being beaten up. Um, she's not doing this because she wants a pot of gold. No. She's doing it because this guy's an arsehole to her and, you know, roughs her up. And, like, yeah, and this is g- the way she's been treated for all her years. Yeah, yeah she's, she's literally kind of gone. For, she, she's not actually met anyone, I don't think who's really kind of just accepted her on her level like he's with the you know carl's with her and basically says you're a slut so this is as good as it's going to get i'm yeah. going to beat you up and I, yeah like totally I, I i felt a great deal of sympathy for the character she met but through the performances i think from gloria graham it's that superficial kind of slightly whiny voice type yeah. thing and she's like you know how oh, he does this and blah, blah, blah. But then there's a there's a few moments where the camera just lingers on her, and you can you can you, you can see a decent performance in there where mm. there is a, I think behind those eyes there's a really emotionally fragile person who does need saving from this situation. It's just sort of the kind of character she is and the location that they're in. There is a sort of hopelessness to about it because you can just see her just bouncing from one loser to another, which kind of comes mm. in the form of Jeff. The relationship with Jeff that is where. That is where the film starts to kind of lose me because I don't understand really how he falls for her. I mean, he falls for her because the story needs it, but it's it's difficult for me to see that attraction between the two of them. She's the type of person that everyone fancies. I, 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 can, I can sort of see it because as well, if you've been to war, I mean, this is probably a guy, you know, he's been hanging out of his... He's been probably hanging out in the brothels of Seoul, then probably going yeah. on R and R in Hawaii, and with the guys and all that kind of thing. Mm. And I think she is the type of person that someone like him would go for. And of course, she's the complete opposite of Ellen, who's this sort of innocent child. And it's the kind of the duality of them both. They're the yin and the yang to each other, aren't they? One represents, you know, probably let's be honest, a good shag, and mm. you can have a good time with her and a few drinks. But the other one is this kind of wholesome young lady and mm-hmm. in a way i wonder if jeff was again i don't know if i i, I was bringing too much of it or, or kind of filling in too many banks myself but i don't know whether with jeff it's kind of like well this is the type of woman who someone like me should be going for yeah you know that that was how i managed to sort of look at it and, and you see him as being quite a weak character he's weak when he's around her his character mm-hmm. becomes i think a lot more you can, you can see, like, I don't think he's a particularly bright guy, and I can see how <laughs> she's made, she is able to sort of turn him and manipulate him. The character of Jeff, he he comes across as really like ambiguous, and I don't really see much of a personality in him. I find it difficult to relate to him and to find where, or to find any sympathy for him and understand like his thinking. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, he's a war veteran, but he's not portrayed as like the victim. He's not exactly. got like, post-traumatic stress disorder. He's not sat there going, oh, Billy went over the thing and I heard an explosion and my best friend was dead. And He isn't haunted y- by yeah, anything. He, or, yeah, he, yeah. he doesn't have that baggage that this, the, the veteran character does. Mm-hmm. And again, w- within relation to the story, I just thought the fact that 
the war kind of veteran angle is just a convenient way to have got him out in the place and then bring him back. Yeah. Because otherwise it's like, oh, you know, he's been away for three years and it, it just seemed, it, it, you'd be like, well, why did he go away for three years? What was the point? You know, that's another thing you just have to explain. Whereas you yeah. just say, oh, he's, he's a war veteran. He's been away off fighting. You just come back and go, fine. It doesn't seem to be part... It, his being a veteran isn't part of the character at all. And nothing mm. happens in the film that has anything really to do with it. Mm. And yet, I kind of do agree. It sort of, it does present him as being slightly superficial or you, you try and look for an angle for another yeah. reason for him to be interesting yeah. and you can't really find it what what sort of happens is you, l you look at what he does and you judge him by what he's doing so this is a guy who's making kind of desires at his best friend's daughter who was just a child when he left and then he gets involved with this kind of you know the local i don't know the best way to describe him without sounding incredibly rude but the, the local good time gal as it mm. were and when you look at those two kind of isolated from each other you think this guy's a bit of an idiot yeah and i feel like most of the um we were talking about the opening and how it sets up everything i feel that many of the things that they set up like the fact that he's come from uh, come home from war and uh, the relationship he sort of has a possibility of uh, grabbing with um was it Ellen, the daughter? Yeah, yes, yeah. Ellen. Yeah. Um, the relationship with Alex Simmons, who he's staying with. Many of these sort of plot setups, they don't really go anywhere. And I feel like there's a bunch of setup and then it's it kind of kind of falls to the wayside as the the Vicky and Jeff story gets the main uh, focus of the story. I guess I guess the, the crux of the story is is he gonna cross over to the to murder? Yeah, that that's that's the whole thing. I mean, it's a test of his of his of his will, isn't it? Really, that's mm -hmm. the that's the crux of the film. Is is he capable of killing Carl? And again, it would make more sense to me if he had come back from the war. He was obviously massively traumatized. He she sees it as an opportunity to kind of get this guy who's yeah. a trained killer. You know, can he? Is he just a cold but hearted killer, or is there something more? to him is there an undeniable humanity to him which is going mm. to stop him from doing it that would be if i was the person writing it that would that that was how i'd be and that was i think that's what i was looking for in the film as it happens it's sort of she sets him up to kill carl and you have this sort of the macguffin of the note which is a pretty you know he's got this he's got this note which is you know her saying she's going to do this thing but it, it still seems like quite a weak mm -hmm. kind of thing to have surely sort of any understanding police officer or something it doesn't seem to be like i don't think it's the death sentence that she actually thinks it is but no. whatever you know that's that's it she's it's not the sharpest tool is she? no so. no but it's, it's like hey i've got a note saying you're gonna do this even though you didn't and i could you know you you, you could yeah I'm, I'm being perhaps a little bit too harsh and i'm, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm trying to you know, over overthink it a little bit but in relation to jeff yeah i i don't think his character has an arc it's almost like this sort of guy comes back he meets up with this girl. He he might murder. He he doesn't, and mm -hmm. things kind of carry on as normal. I I, I feel like, like like you said, really. Like, Barry Mann, he is the main male character in the film. He seems to be. I think he he's the least well executed of all the characters in the film. There is that scene in the end there where he um, confronts Vicky and tells her that oh you thought I was going to kill him because I've been in the war. But yeah. that feels sort of added on and something that. 
they they wrote in that scene just to kind of justify that struggle but it isn't really present throughout the film before that scene comes so they address it but it's such a minor minor or it's such a short scene that you don't really feel like the punch of it and i thought it would would work better had she have murdered the guy yeah. Like she'd been tripped into doing it. And he's like, you know, um, there seems to be a lost opportunity for something that was far more dramatically, like, that, that would draw you in a lot more than it actually, you know, than you actually get. But mm-hmm. it was, it was a strange one as well, because as I was watching it, I, I, my, I my sort of sympathies for everyone were flip-flopping quite yeah. a lot. Um, and I, I found it with, I felt Vicky was the heart of the film as opposed to him and I, I think it came alive it comes alive with her and Carl mm-hmm. than more of it does with Jeff and it, it I wouldn't say it was kind of distracting but that was where my attention kept going where every time mm-hmm. he tipped up it was like oh, yeah. you know, what we're we doing now yeah um, it's also it's interesting because I feel like even Lang is more interested in the scenes with Carl and Vicky. He, I feel like he sets up the shots in a more interesting manner, especially the apartment scenes uh, between Carl and Vicky. He, he seems to, there is more more going on in those scenes in terms of the mise-en-scene, the, the camera angles, uh, how he plays with the separation with walls and rigid lines. Um, whereas with... Jeff and Vicky, the scenes there, they seem to be more like shot reverse shots, um, kind of basic. Yeah, and you've got, well, I suppose, with the kind of the relationship between Carl and Vicky, it is that antagonistic one where, like I said, the bit where he works himself up into this frenzy is brilliant because it just it, it seems to happen also effortlessly. Yeah. And uh, you, you like you know Lang doesn't do anything to sort of like he's not being particularly showy in this film. No, no, no. Like, it, it's it's it's. I'd say workmanlike. It's deceptively simple what he's mm-hmm. doing. He's letting kind of he's letting actors act, and he's mm-hmm. letting them kind of like the internal kind of rage that's going on them start to come out within the context of his scenes. And it's because, like I said, I think it's because Carl and Vicky have the most interesting relationship. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's the, the, it's got a better dynamic than anyone else's. This guy who's overachieved with the girl who kind of everyone's been with, and they probably snigger behind his back, and he, there's just this sort of. You can understand where he's coming from whilst getting so annoyed. And on, on the other hand, obviously, he's kind of beating her and he's an arsehole to her. And through that, you know, you sort of, you begin to hate him as much as she does. Yeah. And it, it, it's, that's when it's, that, that all, the, all the scenes I remember from this film, all the scenes that I enjoyed most come when those two are in it. Yeah. I feel like that is the main struggle of the film is that masculine feminine struggle that they have going on in their relationship whereas Jeff he he becomes this grey mouse or this sort of bland character where the tension sort of drops a bit when uh, when we're not dealing with that tension with that conflict um, there's no suspense in his scenes but in the scenes between Carl and Vicky you can really see the struggle there and you don't know what's gonna, they're going to do next as well exactly that's the other thing there is a real sense that this can go anywhere like you could just kill her there and then yeah. you know anything like that and <clears throat> it's interesting you know when she wants to have him killed it's it doesn't seem like, ooh, so outlandish. It seems like a perfectly plausible thing for her to think. Mm-hmm. And want it's to survival do. and self-preservation. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's, you know, this guy more than likely might one day just beat her to death or strangle her. You know, and we know that he can do it. We know that, he, he, that, that Carl has it in him to do it. And I think that created an interesting tension through the film because 
at the start you just think he's just loser drunk mm-hmm. and then but after that a third of the way through it something you think yeah this guy is this guy is an extremely scary man going from beating someone up to killing owens and then in the end killing vicky I, I, it's it's a bit of a leap for me to see that he can go so far to be honest i mean it happens really abruptly for me um to but see again, that yeah it, 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 i mean it, you've got an hour and a half with this film i mean yeah, let's get, i mean it, it, it things and it's like he's he well he's cartoonishly bad isn't he uh, he doesn't have time, I don't think, to kind of build up to it. You know, it's not like a three-hour epic, is it? It's an hour and a half, and you've got yeah. to kind of understand that this guy, in order to kind of feel the way you do about him, which is obviously to loathe him, yeah. you can, he has to kind of happen quite quickly. But I mean, the I suppose it's kind of <clears throat> worth talking about the ending of the film, in which you know, obviously Carl kills Vicky, strangles her, and you know, the train stuff. Did you think it was a happy ending to the film in terms of the Jeff's character? Yeah. I was wondering about that because I was watching it this morning again and then there's this like swell of music that comes as he's sitting in his in the front of the train Uh, where the driver sits yes exactly and he's sort of uh, tooting the um, the whistle and like there's this feeling that his character has come out of this with his um, with his values intact almost and that he's fortunate to have escaped vicky because she was um, sort of this uh, walking disaster that was waiting to happen yeah i felt i, I felt really really strange about it because it's like on the one hand i sort of think to myself this guy doesn't really deserve this happy ending that no, he's apparently getting not at he's all got, he's, he's got he's got his ticket to the ball which is going to take ellen to <laughs> and i i sort of think to myself well in the way he kind of yeah he gets he gets the, he, he swerves Vicky, who's you know this as we sort of find you know, well she's now dead, and also yeah. the fact that she was this kind of master manipulator. And again, I don't know if it's kind of like an anti-women thing going on here as well. It's another thing I wasn't entirely sure. Was it sort of like women are this woman was evil? Don't worry about it. You know, don't worry, folks. He's going to end up happy, married with Ellen. He's going to take her to the the ball she'll probably come back and put a camino in for him and yeah, everything <laughs> everything's going to be absolutely fine my god he's dodged a bullet everything's great or i was sort of thinking is it kind of a bittersweet ending because obviously you know we could see that he really liked vicky mm-hmm. um, i mean yeah that he's quite tender towards her he speaks to her in quite loving terms um that's now been taken away and obviously before she was killed they were sort of you know there was it was left there that those those two could get away with it yeah i was sort of sat there thinking is it kind of a bittersweet kind of ending is it you know, the the person who he really liked is now dead, although he doesn't know it at this stage, but it's, it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. And there's almost this sort of like succumbing to the fact that he's going to be married to this girl called and it'd be a nice, happy marriage and everything's fine. That's not really having seen how he, you know, there's nothing stopping him from going off of Ellen during mm-hmm. the course of the film. He obviously kind of like prefers the other woman. And I wasn't quite sure whether or not it was sort of saying, well, he's kind of going to get the girl, but it's not the one that he wants. And he's yeah. also going to kind of go on knowing what what's gone on. I mean, he is, you know, he he's a felon of sorts. I mean, he knows, you know, he he was going to commit murder. He knows that murders have been committed and blah blah blah. I I couldn't quite. Again, I think it kind of comes back to the film. It's like I don't know how sophisticated it is or how sophisticated I want it to be. Yeah. yeah. But I, I I I didn't sort of go away thinking that's a happy ending at all. And I was sort of thinking. If it's again, it comes back to this sort of what was the intention of Fritz saying? If it's supposed to be the happy ending, 
then okay fine or is it is it is the film being far more sophisticated than i actually think and is sort of kind of putting it out there that perhaps you know all, all is not as it should be mm-hmm. i mean maybe i'm being a bit too harsh on the film but i feel like it wanted it to be a happy ending but that is a strange way to end the film yeah. that has put our sympathies with vicky for such a long time and then I also felt cheated that I wasn't able to, like, look at her dead body, get, like, um, that sad, get some sort of sting from watching her dead. I feel like Mm. it happens all too briefly. um, Yeah. And it it could have given us more to feel like, oh, she shouldn't be dead now, or that we feel sorry for her character. I don't feel like it gives us that, which is why I feel like it wants it to be happy ending that she got what she deserved. I felt it, it seems a bit rushed to me. Yeah. Um, it seems rushed and a little bit confused. Yeah, like I said, I, 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 I just felt, yeah, like I said, I, I, I completely agree, actually. I just felt like, okay, so where are we? Mm-hmm. You know, where are, be more clear with me. Yeah. Be a bit more explicit. Um, and again, it kind of goes into the grey area of what the film is trying to do, which I haven't, I can't quite make up my mind. And the thing is, I've tried to sort of read, you know, interviews with um, Fritz Lang or see if there's any anything that might kind of shed more light on the thing. And I couldn't really find anything hmm. that would, you know, kind of helped me decide. I, all I went, all I took away from was from what, what I felt it was going on. Yeah. And again, I, I think I was bringing slightly too much to it myself hmm. to try and, to try and make it more like the film I thought it should be, as mm-hmm. opposed to what it perhaps it probably is. Hmm. But I feel like even though we are criticizing it for that sort of um, tonal um, dissonance or that sort of um, um, the way that it doesn't is not really sure where it wants to go or what it wants to the message to be I feel like it's an interesting film that has grown on me with repeat viewings and yes. that there are definitely like min- minor um, plot twists that you don't really catch on the first uh, viewing for sure yeah and that's why i kind of say it's that i think it's like a it's it's a really good example of making a film seem quite simple mm-hmm. and like you know generic almost yeah and then like this town that they're in the more you kind of dig the more you get out of it i mean like i i completely agree i've watched it two or three times now and each time i watch it i think actually do you know what i do really like this film yeah it it has a kind of like a sleazy quality to it which i really really enjoy and it's i think it's because of the time and the place as well like that town uh, it yeah like i said it resonated with me when i when i went back home a few weeks ago uh, sorry last week and it was sort of like yeah there's this sort of like undercurrent here mm-hmm. and i think lang really gets involved in that he, he 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 takes you into this place and then on the surface you have train drivers in this small industrial town and then just under the surface is this kind of like complex power game that's going on Mm. Um, between all these characters and yeah yeah i mean I, I, it sounds like we've been kind of overly critical of the film but uh, yeah i i did i i totally got that from it and it's certainly something which i, I would i would enjoy going back to uh you know it's it's an e in, in a way i mean it's it's the kind of the perfect you know it's it's nine o'clock at night and you want to watch something that's quick before you go to bed an hour and yeah. a half this it's a good place to spend an hour and a half yeah absolutely um going into more of the um the the video quality and the sound quality of the film i feel like 
the there are certain scenes where you can definitely see that this is b footage uh, yes. with uh, the the train um it's such a jarring uh, transition from watching the the scenes with the characters and where you're watching just nature going by yeah i mean what's happening is um they're doing yeah they're blowing up probably like newsreel footage or something like that because mm. the aspect ratio isn't like the academy ratio on this so what they're doing is that i think they're actually blowing up footage to make it fit fit the screen okay. yeah. and as soon as you do that you know it was, if you have something like that i don't know that was yeah you've got b-roll footage that was probably filmed on like 16 millimeter or something like that you'd have to mm-hmm. optically blow it up and as soon as you do that you lose a certain amount of resolution it also becomes quite grainy yeah. um and I, I yeah like that that was happening quite a lot um but I, I don't mind that to be honest with you and given the subject matter i mean i just love looking at those trains anyway they're just such impressive i really wish they would make them like that still it'd be, mm. it'd be utterly ridiculous but it would give you something decent to look at um <laughs> I, I i yeah i i I wasn't so much bothered that, and I also felt like as well that um, the the image as well, it felt massive to mm-hmm. me. The characters felt really big. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of kind of mid shots and close ups, but they really, I really felt they were big, big characters, mm-hmm. literally on the screen. Yeah, I mean, imagine watching this in the cinema. They must, yeah, it must make such a bigger impression on you than uh, when you're watching well, it at home. Well, actually, it's an interesting uh, point of comparison. Was that we were talking just before we start recording back home, watched the Maradona documentary. Mm. And all of that is basically home video footage or news footage that's not intended for the cinema, but it's been blown up for the big screen. And it was a really immersive cinematic experience. Mm. Like, like, I mean, I mean, really, like, I can't... It, watching it on a television just wouldn't do the film justice, even though the footage that you're watching was originally intended for the television... And with this, I felt like it was a, a really good example of a film, like they said, that, that belo- it belongs in the cinema. Mm-hmm. This, this film. I mean, I, I watched it on on the projector, and it was even that seemed it didn't seem to quite do it justice. Especially the height you get out of those trains, yeah, and the yeah you know, the, the 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 town itself. I I just felt yeah, I, I definitely felt that you are missing something if you haven't seen it in the cinema, which I you know, I doubt doubt anyone ha- has had the pleasure of doing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't feel like this is the film that cinemas are going to put up in a, like a classic showing. <laughs> no. Sadly. Um, did you watch the, the Tony Raines interview? Uh, I did, yes. That was really supplement. interesting as well. Yeah. yeah, He's always providing good, interesting information. But it, it seems like he's, this time he was really like punchy, succinct and informative in this interview. So. Yeah, definitely. And as well, I thought the audio was really good on it as well. Um, yeah, I felt like it, it, they'd done a really good job, kind of clearing that up. It was mm. all the dialogue was perfectly, um, perfectly delivered, and it, it's not a particularly. It hasn't got a massive soundscape this film, but no. I certainly sort of felt that you know for such a talky film, the dialogue was really really came through quite boomingly well, and never seems to be. You know, I didn't I didn't hear much noise on the soundtrack at all. Mm. The only thing I can hold back from the uh, the release is the, the cover of the film. We were talking about it off air. Um, it's very generic. Basically, these are the three characters in the film. Uh, yeah, it's a Photoshop job. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. It's, it's that. That's it. Basically, it doesn't seem to be. Um, yeah, it, you could knock that up in half an hour. Yeah, it's a bit um, of shame. But it's a bit of shame. Yeah. Um, I thought we could uh, end this episode by talking about um, the recent releases of Muscle Cinema and how I feel yep. like they've 
really picked up the pace uh, this year. Um, yes. Especially uh, in the recent months with uh, Holy Mountain um, and High Noon is coming soon. And you yeah. also have that 70s black exploitation film, which seems really interesting. Yeah, and we've got some more Buster Keaton films coming as yes. well. Um, the Elia Kazan film as well has just come through, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really going to go and watch The Holy Mountain, actually, because the, um, the, the, the screening for that has come through. And another Fritz Lang film as well, The Woman in the Window. There's been some really interesting releases. And as well, a film which I've wanted to see for ages, and I haven't got around to it, but Coming Home is coming out as well, the Hal Ashley film. Um, with John Voight and Jane Fonda. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm a recent... I sort of only I've only recently got into Jane Fonda films, and she's brilliant. She's an amazing actress, and I'm really looking forward to to seeing that one. So yeah, um, the, yeah, the pick of the bunch though has got to be the High Noon coming yeah. out because I, I I thought that was already out on Blu-ray, um, in some other format, and I, I went to watch it the other day, and all I've got is an old uh, DVD copy of it, which isn't so great to be brutally honest with you. Hmm. And I was looking for it, and I thought, well, it'd be great, and I actually thought to myself it'd be great if master cinema could get hold of this one and do a decent release of it and sure enough um it's been announced for september yeah uh, and it's one of my favorite films it's certainly one of my definitely one of my favorite westerns absolutely uh, and you know last night i watched outland again which is basically the ah, science yeah. fiction <laughs> remake of, of this and uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah i can't wait for that yeah it's a it's a proper good western for me uh, one of my top fives definitely and quite a big get for master cinema with totally. the competition from Criterion, BFI and Arrow. And, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, the thing is as well, I mean, uh, uh, FOP, thankfully, has reopened in Manchester. And I went in there the other day and, the, you know, the um, it would seem the death of physical media is far from over because they have obviously their... FOP do all the boutique labels like Criterion, BFI, Master Cinema, mm. and people were snapping these releases up. You know, there was a you can tell people are really kind of getting back into, well, if they haven't gone away from it, but there's definitely still the market there, and it is a very crowded market. You have like Arrow and Indicator, all these labels putting out releases, and I think Master Cinema cast something like High Noon. I think that's a real that's a real eye catcher. I think that I can see that being a really big seller. Yeah. Um... I'm hoping for some more Anthony Mann films uh, coming through soon. Uh, yeah. there, were, there were those, uh, the couple, The Man of the West and uh, The Man from Laramie that came. But after that, we haven't seen any more. But something like uh, Winchester 73 or something uh, coming to the Master Cinema would be great. Yeah, I, I, like, I want to see them get more, um, like some of the early um, Luciani Visconti films. His first film, ah. Obsession, I really, really like. Um, it's based on the postman always rings twice. That's one I've always wanted to come mm. out. And um, um, yeah, La Terra Tremor, which there's loads of his films, the early ones, which no one seems to have picked up yet. Mm. Um, and they've obviously they put out Rocco and his brothers, which is one of my, you know, I think one of our yeah. f- favorite films in the collection. Absolutely. But yeah, I, I, yeah um, because Criterion have just got Death in Venice out. Um, Ludwig came out, I think, on Arrow. Um, they've had Conversation Piece as well, which is another one of his. So, yeah, there's definitely a few films there which I really wish they would get hold of and put out before someone else does because I'd snap those up in no time. Hmm. Um, okay, I think that's about it for this episode. Yep. Um, is there anything going on with the 24 Frames cast? Yes, I've just put an episode out on Claire Denny's new film, High Life, um, and there will be an episode coming out possibly very soon about the Maradona documentary and a look at... Um, a film called The Snake Pit as well, which BFI just recently put out. 
Excellent. So you can reach us at moccast.blogspot.com or you can just search for Masters of Cinema Cast at different social medias and we should pop up. Um, and if you can as well, leave a review for us. That does really help. Absolutely, on the iTunes feed, yes. Um, leave us a, a star rating and a review. That would be very helpful. Um, and also reach us on via email if you have some questions or comments to us. Uh, that is mastersofcinemacast at gmail.com so alright thank you Tom for joining me thank you mate and thank you listener for checking in and until next time see you then <laughs>